Hello, Trash Crusaders! Welcome to a very special Valentine's Day episode of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast, where exploitation and exploration come together. Mm. It is uh, your god through Trash Cinema, everyone's favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're celebrating the season of love with a helping dose of 2000s bombshells, guys with too much hair gel, and an incel running around in a cherub mask when we cover the underrated 2001 holiday horror classic, Valentine. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to the two lover boys joining me on today's episode. Mm. First up, he might not be as dark and brooding as David Boreanaz, but I let him suck me dry nonetheless. Patrick, <laughs> nickname not Loading Schweigert. Here's the thing. You nailed his last name. You were concerned, but <laughs> I was, yeah. You nailed it. You nailed it. Uh and look, if if you if that offer's on the table, um it's Saturday morning. I'm not gonna say no. I mean, save try cinema the podcast where homoeroticism excels. Correct. From incel to XL. Yes, sir. Next up, we decided to ask Michelangelo to carve a chunk of marble into the most handsome boy in town. And what a sight to behold. Valentine? More like Valentine. Nicholas Sawalski. Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait. Nick, I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, For those who don't remember, Nick was uh, joined us for the episode of The Room. Uh, During that time, Nick had lost his voice. So if you don't remember, there's a good reason. It's because he sounds drastically (laughs) different. (laughs) Well, you know what? This time I was prepared. And this time I have chocolates for the occasion. So we're going to have a great podcast. Let's Let's do this. Let's do this. But before we jump in, why don't we do a little quick housekeeping? We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema.gmail.com or you can DM us at savetrashcinema on all socials. Make sure to check out last week's episode where we pushed the limits of what would what one would consider to be socially acceptable as we covered the 1988 Linnea Quigley trash classic, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. We'll be continuing to release minisodes, crossover episodes, interviews, and even game shows. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. But enough about that. Why don't we jump into an overview of Valentine? Valentine is a 2001 holiday horror classic based on the novel by Tom Savage and directed by Jamie Blanks. Tom Savage is a novelist best known for the book The Power of the Dog, which coincidentally was turned into a live action film in 2001 directed by Jane Campion, uh, director of The Piano, which was also a really famous film. It's worth Mm -hmm. pointing out that The Power of the Dog was nominated for more than 10 Academy Awards, so... The, so How? what we're saying is the, the they had the stuff. He had the stuff somewhere. <laughs> so we have a spectrum of power of the dog to uh, 
2001 Valentine. Exactly. Now, the director, Jamie Blanks, is best known for the Jared Leto-led 90s classic, Urban Legend. So as we all can say, pedigree is in abundance today, boys. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) Jared Leto. (laughs) Gobble that squeezy fuck. <laughs> fucking cult leader piece of shit. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. I'll say it right now. Jared I mean, Lee we're trying to start guy. a cult with this podcast, yeah, right? Now. That's yeah, true. That's fair. Yeah, I'm already part of the cult. Definitely. Yeah, the cult of trash cinema. I kind of love that. Oh actually. yeah. Now the story goes as such: Valentine's Day, 1988, at the school dance, Kiki Jeremy Melton bravely faces one rejection after the other when asking four popular girls to dance with him. A fifth girl, plump and insecure, agrees, but they end up making out under the bleachers. When a group of school bullies catches them, the girl claims that Jeremy attacked her. This causes them to strip off his clothes and beat him up in front of the entire school. We flash forward to the year 2001. We meet the five girls who were in that school gym, Kate, Paige, Shelly, Lily, and the formerly plump Dorothy. They're all in their 20s now and trying to sort out their love lives, which is appropriate since Valentine's Day is coming up. After a disastrous date with a loser, one of the girls, a pre-med student, is murdered by a cherub-mask-wearing killer who sent her a death threat in the form of a Valentine card prior to the attack. After the four remaining girls are reunited at the funeral, they all start receiving threatening cards and messages. At first, they don't know who would want to hurt them, but eventually they figure out that maybe Jeremy is responsible. Police records show that Jeremy has completely disappeared, so no one knows what he looks like. Could the formerly nerdish Jeremy have had plastic surgery and turned into one of the girl's handsome boyfriends? Whoever it is, the lone survivor has put to stop to the spurned individual's murder spree before she, too, becomes a valentine to die for. Mm. If that's the most 2000 fucking thing you've ever heard. That is also the most in-depth, like simple synopsis for yeah a film i think i've ever heard yeah, yeah. that was as 2000s as the intro Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Just, I, we, you know it's kind of a bummer we just didn't have like we didn't have fucking like alien ant farm or hoobastank playing in the background <laughs> yes. specifically hoobastank just going off right now like everyone would just be like in their moods in their feels being like yeah man i feel this i mean i'm currently crawling in the dark and the reason is you baby <laughs> oh man three doors down or something i don't know fucking trap let's go this film stars marley shelton who we covered just a few weeks ago on Planet Terror. She's also part of Death Proof and Never Been Kissed. Denise Richards from Wild oh. Things, 007 The World Is Not Enough, and Starship Troopers. Grey's Anatomy alum Catherine Heigl and Jessica Capshaw. And finally, the most handsome and brooding man alive, David Boreanaz from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel and Bones. Bones. Did we know that Jessica Capshaw is... If I if I'm remembering last night's conversation correctly, the stepdaughter to yes. Steven Spielberg. Wait, I'm sorry. Excuse me. What? what? Let me double check. Yeah, please do because that's that's a good that's a good cinema fact. Okay. That's, that's um, just... if if I'm remembering correctly, I think what we decided was um was she's a stepo baby because her stepdad it's not it's not her actual dad. She's the stepdaughter of director Steven Spielberg, whom her mother married when Capshaw was 15. A stepo baby. The stepo baby, yeah. Stepo baby. To Elliot for that one. Stepo Damn. baby. Damn. All right. Well, shout out Elliot for knowing a piece of trivia that even I didn't know. He looked it up. Oh. He looked it up. Oh. I, I, I was giving him credit for the for the phrase stepo baby. 
Oh, well, that's also a good phrase, too. That is a good phrase. Uh, Elliot as well. Yeah. Now, the film runs for an hour and 36 minutes and sports a Rotten Tomato score of 11%. Criminal. Yep. <laughs> Criminal. Agreed. 11%. We, I don't think we've had a movie lately that's either one had a score or two been that low. That so, low. Usually, I feel like they're in between like 30 and 50. Normally, yeah. Normally, this movie, 11%, is fucking funny not gonna lie now the film is currently streaming for free on guess what everyone's favorite streaming platform to be uh but you can also snag a beautiful blu-ray it's a very nice cut and collection it's it's just honestly kind of gorgeous to look at uh, directly from shout factory for around 25 dollars if you so choose keep in mind you can only buy it directly from shout factory mm. so if you want there's you can't get it on amazon i mean you could probably rent it on amazon but you can't get a physical copy through amazon and if you want to get it secondhand through someone that is not shout factory you're looking at paying upwards of 60 to 100 dollars. so see i would say i would say 11 is is low and i would also say 60 to 70 dollars way too high for this yeah show. we got another spectrum going on with yeah, this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well boys with the overview out of the way why don't we take some time to discuss some initial thoughts we're gonna start off today with you nick my sweet sweet nick and uh why don't you just tell us like going into the film what did you think have you seen it before did you did you not what did you what did you think when you're getting this this two just this two thousands just so I, much two thousands i made sure not to look at anything other than seeing the poster yeah. And five minutes in, I said, this is a 2000s movie. And then once I heard the soundtrack through the whole movie, I went, yeah, this is a 2000s movie. And guess what? 2001, correct? correct. Absolutely, absolutely shot the same way all those horror films are shot. It's a mix of we're trying to do Scream and I know what you did last summer. Having this, this gorgeous cast. I love you, Denise Richards, so much. I mm. forgot how beautiful you are. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, what a film. What mm. a criminally underrated film. Mm. I was actually pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. And uh, Angel, boy, you know, that alcohol problem. That alcohol three, problem. He went three weeks without it. He Ooh. went, he was, she was really proud of that. And honestly, I guess, depending on, they didn't really set up the stage for how bad the alcohol problem is, but I suppose three weeks, it was really good for how bad that was. So <laughs> it was, um, but yeah, just to quickly wrap up. Uh, it was fun. It was a just dumb horror Valentine's movie that I was expecting to be worse. And actually, I enjoyed it. I laughed at a lot of the deaths, like Cupid's arrow killing one of the girls as she fell yeah. down the stair shaft. Um, the acting, just the always talking this way, no matter what's going on. I was like, mm -hmm. you beautiful babes, you. you I'm loving babes. this. So, I actually, I really enjoyed it. That was fun. All right. Well, thank you, Nick. We're moving on to you, Patrick. Now, I knew you were very excited. You saw the trailer. I gave you a couple films that you could you pick did. from going into this episode, and you chose this film. I sure did. Um, so whatever punishment the audience is, is doled out this uh, this week, I, that's up. That's on you. That's on you. It so is on me. Just go and tell them why you chose it based on the trailer. It is on me. So, you know, so I, I, I don't remember all three of the film names, but I watched all three of them, and only one of them had David Boreanaz in it. And sure. Uh, it's something that I've not probably ever said on this podcast because it's never come up. I fucking love Angel. Mm -hmm. I like Buffy too, but specifically the show Angel. Oh, I, it's a better show. God, I loved it so much. And 
so before I even watched the trailer, I was like, these other two trailers are going to have to be really fucking good for me to pick that <laughs> over this movie. And I'm so glad I, I ended up picking this movie. Uh, I, but yeah, I, I seeing the cast, the, the top build mm-hmm. of David, Denise, Catherine Heigl and uh, Marley Shelton. I was like, if this movie is bad, I will be upset. Yeah. Because it has the makings of a great movie. Um, and I wasn't disappointed, Cayman. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I second your opinion there. I want to give a quick shout-out to Boston Mike. He said on the Planet Terror episode that we need more Marley Shelton in our life. And guess we what? Do. Who would have thought that just a couple weeks later we would indeed get more Marley Shelton in our life with this film? And I didn't also, recognize her at first. I was yeah, watching I it, and, and I watched it with Rose, my beautiful wife. And um, she was like, isn't that the girl from Planet Terror? I was like, maybe it is. Because we had already seen Arizona mm-hmm. from uh, Anatomy of Grey. Uh, I almost, <laughs> wait, Anatomy of Grey is the play. Grey's Anatomy is the. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm going I always get the two mixed up. 10th <laughs> grade. 10th grade. Here we go. Yes. Me and Nick, mm-hmm. we used to do theater. Came into mm-hmm. theater once too. It's true. <laughs> But first play I ever did, uh, Nick's big brother, his beautiful big brother, mm. Matt Swalski, convinced boy. me, convinced mm. me to audition. Mm. Uh, and first play I was ever in, Anatomy of Grey is what it was called. And so I always, I knew Anatomy of Grey happened before. It had actually. When did that show start? So that was way off topic, but just bear with me, boys. Bear with me, boys. You know, 2005. So, uh, Grey's Anatomy would have been oh, in its started, like yeah. third season, mm-hmm. second or third season at this point. So, I've always gotten those two names mixed up Grey's Anatomy and Anatomy of Grey. Mm-hmm. Anyway, once she was on screen, I was like, I'm recognizing all these people, but I didn't recognize Marley at first. And then once I, I was like, nope, that's her. And then what a, what, what nice synergy that was. Mm. You know, when I was a senior in high school, I was part of the Grey's Anatomy fan club. Um, it was actually just in the art class that we had. It was first period art. And we had a Grey's Anatomy fan club in art where we would just sit around and talk about Grey's Anatomy instead <laughs> of actually doing anything. Because when you're, you know, you're a senior, you don't give yeah. a shit. And honestly, Correct. I'm not ashamed about it. Have I watched Grey's Anatomy since then? No. Does it no. matter? Absolutely fucking not. No. There was just a moment in my life in which Meredith Grey was a huge mm. part of my growing up. And uh, you know what I got to say, Iggy? Get fucked. You're a fucking loser. Yeah. And you get exactly what you deserve. This movie, though, for me, no, I agree with you guys. It is, honestly, it is underrated. 1,000% underrated. I, 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 11% that's just unfair. Yeah. That's cruel. That 11% is cruel. Um, is this is really fun. I had a lot of fun watching it. I distinctly remember I watched this like probably 20 years ago, a little less than 20 years, but if it, a minimum 15 years ago. So I actually came into this being like, oh, I remember this film and only remember like two things. That's <laughs> it. Just only remember like two things from this movie. One of them being the air, the Cupid's arrow. But that's literally all I remember. And yeah. David Boreanaz <laughs> just being a brooding, handsome. So. And like it's something that shocked me early in this movie. And I, I don't maybe it shouldn't have shocked me. Mm. But I was like, man, because the writing is, you know, it's fine. It's serviceable, but yeah. it's not it's not great. But it's not. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as say it's bad either. Mm-hmm. But David Boreanaz doing his thing. I'm like, man, this guy's he can fucking act his way out of a bag. Like, yeah, this dude's just a great actor. He is. 
He is. And that's what I'm the most excited to talk about today is just how brooding and handsome he is for the entire film. So why don't we actually jump into the film? Onto the show, everyone. Valentine. And now, our feature presentation. All right. The film begins in 1988. A middle school prom sucks for the class nerd. And after getting turned down by a bunch of girls, he shacks up with a, well, <clears throat> a girl who <clears throat> might be more in his league, let's say. They're busted making out under the bleachers, and in true Carrie fashion, she turns on him, and he has a bucket of blood poured on him. His nose bursts open, then the bullies snatch him up, strip him down, and kick his ass in front of the rest of the kids. 35 years later, he buys Twitter. Got it. <laughs> Zing. We cut to Catherine Heigl, and she has a really bad date with a guy named Jason. <laughs> I, think we got a, I think we got a time yeah. card. I think it was like a... 10 or 15 years 13 later. 13 years like later, Catherine Heigl's having a really shitty date. And you know, if you set up with a 13 years later and you cut directly to a baby face Catherine Heigl, you're in for some shit. Yeah. yeah. Baby <sighs> Catherine Heigl. Anybody want to discuss Jason in the scene before we move on? Because Yes, I wrote a note because <laughs> um, I was so impressed by this man. What did I say? Um, Jason, what's that? What, that's it? Don't I get a little kiss? What a what a charming human, so charming. This Asking fucking guy. Kiss after yeah, I was Jason really hoping Mikey. that he would somehow end up being murdered. But I love the fact that when they're trying to set up like a sleaze ball in early two thousands, the only way you can do that is by having him address himself in the third person constantly, Correct. and how that also hasn't changed in twenty years. Yeah. Yes, I also love that he's like, oh, I ate this and you ate this to split the bill. What a <laughs> You know what? He's ahead of his time, honestly, in 2001. <laughs> you don't cover it, you split it. You know, sure. I get yeah. You know what? Venmo me, baby. I love Venmo the, the line that sets that up, though, is he looks at the bill and he goes, whew, <laughs> you're an expensive date. He's like, oh, I didn't have this and I didn't have that. And you're just like... <laughs> That's why when he's expecting the kiss and he's so upset, I'm just like, "Oh, you charming I, man!" I also <laughs> love she, he's like he's like basically he's like just laboring some random fucking point, and she's like, "You have spinach in your teeth." But the scene, he's he's talking, he, has, he does indeed have spinach in his teeth, but it's just a loose leaf, like a loose piece of spinach covering multiple just, teeth that they just yes. put in his mouth. So it's not like it's stuck in his teeth. It they just so you know when they kept doing that one thing, they're like, "Oh, you're." spinach keeps falling out you're you got to put your spinach back in your tooth because it just keeps switching places every time it cuts back to him mm -hmm. i thought it was a parody at one point it was <laughs> like okay are we in this is this a spoof film are we watching fucking like movie 43 right now is, is you jackman gonna step out with a nutsack hanging from <laughs> god i wish Okay, speaking of such, that was a horrible movie, movie horrible, 43. Horrible, I don't, that'll be the last time we ever reference that movie on this yeah. podcast. That's, that's where, that has, should never be covered on any podcast. Ever. No, I was just about to ask if, if it's so bad that you guys would be like, hell no. For Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, okay. we're, yeah, that is not happening. That's a movie show. that deserves an 11, not this one. I don't sure. think that movie even deserves an 11, to be completely <laughs> honest. Deserves a negative <laughs> Hugh Jackman should be prevented from acting in anything else because he starred in that movie. <laughs> Everyone related to that movie should have their fucking Screen Actors Guild cards revoked. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't disagree. As much as I love Hugh. Good God, that movie's bad. The remedy for a bad date, though, is to go back to the morgue and cut up a dead man. 
which Catherine Heigl does. She hears a noise and goes Been to there. investigate, as all horror tropes are to lead to. And she runs into some random guy. We don't know who he is. He's just there. And I don't think we ever see him again for the rest of the movie. Uh, and we, she finds a threatening Valentine's Day card in her locker. This does not phase her, though. And their young doctor goes back to work on her corpse. Or her, not her own corpse, but the, mm-hmm. the court. You know what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, it was late Correct. when I wrote this. So if it's like half incoherent, we have excuses. Um, you know, if I, if I find a Valentine's Day card that's like roses are red, violets are blue. I'm going to stab you in the fucking neck, you dumb bitch. I'm going to just be like, I'm leaving. I'm calling the police. I'm not doing this. Catherine Heigl, apparently, this is a common occurrence for her, which, knowing the history of Catherine Heigl, probably in real life as well. So She started early. (laughs) Upon placing the scalpel on the torso, the corpse exhales, scaring Catherine. She leaps back and hits the storage door behind her, which lets out the cadaver she once had on the table back on the operating table. However, the other body is missing. Uh Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to hold that. till we were ready. <laughs> that was going to be the longest pregnant pause of podcast history. She creeps around the lab only to be grabbed from an assailant hiding behind the curtains. Though she manages to escape. She is chased down the hallway. She goes into a corpse storage room. Been there. I do, I, I'm assuming that this is this is just how they do it. They just have like a randomly tempted room that they leave all of the dead bodies at at yeah. whatever. The, I I don't know. I we'll get to him on Tuesday. Yeah, six feet under. Yeah, fair. Okay, I suppose that's fair. Our yeah. chair of mass killer walks in. He notices all of the body bags. Presumably thinking that Catherine is obviously going to be hiding in one, he begins to stab each individual bag. Smarter than me. He approaches the last body bag, knowing full well she must reside inside. He unzips it, allowing Heigl to scream one final time. Then he slits her throat open. He then has a nosebleed out of the mask. We are 13 minutes into the movie. And guess what, boys? Catherine Heigl is dead. Chocolate's on. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so apparently, speaking of Catherine Heigl, apparently she has completely disowned this film. She says she hates it. She didn't read the whole script before accepting the role. Only the scenes containing her character it is the, all she read. And then in a 2005 magazine interview, prob- I mean, she was probably was being interviewed for Grey's Anatomy because that's when that started. Uh, she Absolutely. said she regretted the decision to appear in the film after seeing the final cut. And to which I say, grow up. Grow up, bro. I grow up, dog. Your name is on the on the cover like you got a promotion like how she this is exactly like her career she killed it very early just like in yeah. the movie and sure. honestly she died so early that i thought i'd have to start doing timers for everybody's death because i mm. thought they'd all be quick like vignettes yeah. yeah i didn't know how the rest of the movie was gonna go honestly because how quick it was you make a very good point though nick that she did kill her career early on and honestly when i read that piece of trivia i was like I kind of have the sneaking suspicion that she does not like that. She regrets every single thing she's ever taken part in. Probably. I don't think I've ever heard a story of her being like, 
I really enjoyed my time working on this. Like she hated being on fucking uh, Grey's Anatomy. That's and she asked to be killed off the show, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "Please kill her. We do not want to work with her anymore." She is notoriously famous for shit talking everyone that worked on Knocked Up and being like, "That was oh, the worst no. movie I've ever been on." Whatever that movie was, she was in with Gerard Butler. Apparently, that one was another one that she was like, "Was the worst thing I've ever." And then her career finally, they were like, "I guess all you can do is Lifetime movies." So, hey, my mom is happy about that. I mean, fair enough, I guess. I do love Louise, so Mama I Lou, trust her in Stand up. Peace and Wakanda forever. Hmm. So, so I'm doing, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's doing the Catholic cross and Wakanda mm-hmm. forever afterwards. So, 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 the, father, so. the father, the son, and the Black Panther. Yes, yes. I can just see I just see Mama Lou doing that. We cut over to Marley Shelton and uh, De- Denise Richards go speed dating. And um, could you imagine just sitting down at a speed dating thing and you've got fucking Marley Shelton and Denise Richards across from you? I would just pass out at the table. Yeah, I, I couldn't speak. If Denise was there, my future bride, I, I, I'd just marry. I'd propose put, right there. Put yourself in the mindset. Of mm. you're going on a speed date. Close your eyes, everybody. Okay. If you're if you're driving, close your eyes. Like, don't open them until I say to. Yeah, man. keep them closed. You're going on a speed date. Mm-hmm. The movie Shrek isn't going to be out for another two months. Okay, that's disappointing. Okay. And 9/11 hasn't happened. Oh, thank God. Okay. The world's still innocent. Yeah, right? that's the mindset of this movie. Ooh. And that's the mindset of these men on this date. Yeah. They so optimistic still. They haven't started to unfurl the layers of an ogre. Yeah, they yet. didn't know that they were an all-star. They hadn't got their game on to go play. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, they weren't ready for it. They weren't let ready. Me, let me tell you, when I was that age, wasn't ready for it either. Because yep. I, who would have thought in that moment in time, sitting in fifth grade for me, and then the teacher comes in and says, Cayman, and she didn't say Cayman, she's a class. <laughs> 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 She points at me. She points me out. It's specific, just you, David. No one else matters in this instance. The principal walks in the room, turns the TV on. Cayman, hit the North Tower. Do you see this? Do you see this, Cayman? She says the teacher runs and says, "Cayman, a second plane has hit the the South Tower." (laughs) I'm shell shocked. I look to my, I look to my left. I see Shrek peering through the window, and Denise Richards across the room. It came in. That might be the funniest thing you've ever said. Saying that the teacher addressed you to tell you that 9-11 happened. Specifically, it's all it's all downhill from here. Okay, 20, 26 minutes in, we're already going off the rails. Oh. Well, you know what else went off the rails besides 9-11? Marley and, Marley and Denise's speed dating. Uh, it goes south, and um, Marley gets a phone call because apparently Catherine Heigl's dead. Obviously, she's dead. We, we see her die on the screen, but Marley doesn't know that, so she gets a phone call. And we end up cutting to a funeral where we're finally introduced to the most handsome brooding hunk we all know and love, Edward Cullen. I mean Angel. I mean David Boreanaz. <sighs> What went wrong with Twilight? How did they make <laughs> vampires not sexy? Yeah, oh man, that's a good because they didn't have fucking David Boreanaz. And like people, if Blair's listening right now, she just flipped her car 
think hearing me say that i don't think this the vampires are sexy in twilight you know what would have been not angel they're not you david know, you know what would have made this better like twilight better i'll throw out a name of of cast members you could have included one david boreanaz that yes two yes. marley shelton yes three linnea quigley yes four vivica a fox yeah. Ooh. <laughs> good old vivica all right, well, him and Marley Shelton get their flirt on because it's a funeral and Angel is a brooding, handsome hunk. He drives a convertible, and since he's a cool guy, he drives topless. Mm. Marley notices a newspaper in the backseat showing his work on the front page, but underneath is a bottle of tequila. She seems concerned, though he brushes it off. So brooding. So brooding. They apparently used to fuck. Also, he's three weeks sober. We call this in the industry plot development. Uh, I what I took from this is any anytime you see a man with a bottle of tequila, don't trust it. Don't trust a man with a bottle of tequila. I'm pretty sure any dude that just keeps a bottle of tequila hanging around is most likely going to be charged later in life with some sort of um, <clears throat> something misconduct. He's like, no, 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 baby, baby. It's it's for it's for Steve. He just got a promotion at the paper. Mm. It's like, okay. okay. And she's, and I, yeah, I just love that it's a funeral. He's like, yeah, sorry about her loss. Anyways, you want to go out? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you he, knows, he knows what he's doing. So, how about I got, I have two connections here. I have a connection yeah. to the previously, the aforementioned Six Feet Under. Yes. And I have a, a connection to someone that I met in person. Mm. We're bringing it back, bringing back the segment of Patrick knows a famous person. Mm hmm personal friend of mine so we're going to start jeremy sisto was considered for the role of adam carr that david boranis played six feet under connection mm -hmm. sure sure great show by the way yeah. luke wilson my personal friend luke also considered for the role of adam carr i once had dinner with luke wilson <laughs> and by had dinner with him i mean he was in the restaurant that i was in it's sitting close at enough. a different table we'll take that but he is now my personal friend that's it. That's the story. The spectrum, baby. We got spectrums yeah. today. I love yeah. it. Uh huh. The, if, is if is friendship not a spectrum? I don't know if I consider that friendship, but sure, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's on the spectrum of friendship. It, it, I suppose having dinner in the same restaurant together. <laughs> Luke Wilson stands up. He direct he directly addresses you. He says, "Patrick, another plane." In I knew it. No, no. What he actually what he said. He stood up and he said, "Cayman." And I was like, no, my name is not Cayman. My name is Patrick. He said ogres are like onion layers. Correct. Shrek stands up behind him, and we find out it's not actually Shrek. It's Owen Wilson. He goes, wow. Oh. Wow. <laughs> the Spice Girls band up after Angel leaves. A detective approaches at looking to ask questions. He doesn't seem like anyone... It doesn't seem like anyone was recent friends with Catherine Heigl, which I believe is art imitating life. Or at least something similar to that. Yes, yes. He mentions Jason is missing. It's old spinach teeth, which uh, I have to say, Jason likey disappearing. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. This no, that was good. We 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 needed the third person Jason callback. Uh, let's 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 get back on track here with some trivia. Okay. During the original casting process, Tara Reid. Wow, remember her existence? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she was in uh, Jamie Blanks' other film, Urban Legend. 
Mm-hmm. It was uh, in the original casting process. They wanted her to play uh, Dorothy Wheeler. They wanted Jennifer Love Hewitt to play Paige. So Dorothy Wheeler is who Arizona from Grey's Anatomy, Jessica Capshaw, stepdaughter of Steven Spielberg plays. Mm-hmm. And Paige is Denise Richards. So it could have been Tara Reid and Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I got to say. Worst film. Worst film. Yeah. yeah that would have been real bad. That would have been real Worst bad. film. Yeah. They might have it at 10%. On Rotten Tomatoes, if they cast those two, like they were both the moment at the time. Oh, I think for sure. <clears throat> but way more two thousands than the people we have. For sure, for sure. But no, yeah, it, it's a better film for them not being in it. Denise Richards' inclusion feels more nineties to me. Sure. You know, when you think about things like her infamous makeout scene and with ne- with Nev Campbell and um, mm-hmm. fucking whatever that movie oh, was, yeah, Wild yeah, Things. Yeah. Don't do this to me right now, Cam. That's I feel like that was the moment when I realized that I was a cis a cis het man. Sure. And, and you can't you can't forget her inclusion in the aforementioned 007 The World is not enough True. with with my personal friend <laughs> Pierce yeah. Brosnan. Another who person. I also shared a meal with once <laughs> in the game. Gosh. 45 feet away shared a meal. <laughs> wait for it. I know this is not actually don't wait for it because it's gonna take me a minute to find it, but I snapped pictures of Pierce. I didn't snap pictures of Luke. I can show you pictures. This is an audio podcast, but you both can yeah. see this picture of Pierce. <laughs> yeah, we close, all know. Close your eyes if you're driving and close your eyes sh- what Pierce looks like. It's a shame that you can't include images in the description of the podcast it's true that is really difficult it's also difficult to 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 text type out sarcasm via text i found out so i'd said something really sarcastic the other day via text and the person was like that's really hateful (laughs) (laughs) no i'm sorry that was sarcasm i probably should have put like insert sarcastic tone here maybe or there's a there's like S slash you're supposed to do, but yeah. <laughs> this picture of Pierce Frost. <laughs> Look at all like those the, wine glasses he's throwing back. Pierce, Pierce drunk homeless dude. <laughs> Pierce was lit. He was so night. sexy. Pierce was he had going a long. He was on a bender. He, sexy. he had like a like a tombstone mustache with like the tiny little thing below the lip going a soul on. Soul patch. It's called oh, yeah, a little patch. soul patch mustache. Like he was Mama about, Mama. Like Patrick he was about to rob a bank in, in That's, 1812. After he had eight glasses of wine. Yeah, correct. God, he was so sexy. I wonder if he was about to star in Alec Baldwin's Rust. All right, we're moving on. Jessica Capshaw, one of the blondes, I don't know, comes home in her cute red convertible only to find an ominous Valentine's Day card on her foyer table. Some mysterious hunk shows up at her door. He's a venture capitalist. They mentioned this quite a lot, that he's a venture capitalist, which, I mean, for the time, I don't think people realize how much you should hate these people. But in VC. today's time, no, we don't. Yeah, Capshaw we lets him stay over. Also, something about a mail-order bride from hell. So, wow, yeah, I kind of blacked this scene out. Oh, yeah. I'm realizing. I, this, the scene happened, I went, why is this in here? Correct. Why did this happen? Uh, I guess to kind of give some context here, Jessica Capshaw gets into an argument with her stepmother. It's the only time we see her stepmother on screen, who is probably younger than Jessica Capshaw in this movie. And yes. um, <clears throat> beautiful lady. Um, either way, they they get into an argument. The stepmom speaks Cantonese at her, and then she calls, uh, Jessica Capshaw calls her a mail-order bride from hell, which if that is not like a cool-ass band name. Or a movie from 1987. Or a movie yeah. written and directed by um, David Decateau, starring one Vivica A. Fox. Correct. Called The Wrong Mail Order Bride from Hell. Correct. 
That's a callback. Mary Correct. Shelton gets cleaned up, but is startled by some sounds in her kitchen. She jumps out of the shower and after going back, finds her water has been turned off. So she does the most logical thing and she washes her hair in the toilet. I was once told water in a clean toilet is clean. I mean, that's, I mean, I guess that's, yeah. So I just kind of worry was, about all my explosive diarrhea that there's just shit particles just it, always that's there. That's the thing. True, that's the I'm thing. scared. How, when was the last time she cleaned the bowl? Hashtag clean the bowl. Hashtag always clean your bowl. Yeah. That's also probably a hashtag used by a bunch of Rastafarians. Yeah. Sure. A bunch of, no, it's a bunch of white Rastafarians Correct. who use Twitter. <laughs> Correct. Hashtag oh. clean the bowl. Yeah, the door is now open behind her, so she walks out in just her towel, which is suspect, but it's Marley Shelton, I'll allow it. She sees the elevator door is stuck on something and finds a cherub mask just like the one our killer wore earlier in the film. Out from her behind, out from behind her, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing today, Billy Ray Cyrus jumps out. He likes what he sees and wants a date with it. This was the worst scene in the film from a (laughs) writing perspective. I should have written it down, but... He kept trying, he was kept naming because her name is Kate and he kept naming everything with Kate. And then his name was Gary and she rhymed something with Gary too. Like you're scary, Gary, or something like that. And it, it just, it gave me hives, this scene. But this character, I'm glad they introduced him because we get my favorite line of the film later from him, which we'll Mm -hmm. get to. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah. Who also looks exactly like Billy Ray Cyrus. He does. Yes. Yes, he does. He looks, yeah, he looks like he was, he's a part of the Ray Cyrus clan for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, who the fuck yes. leaves their apartment in a towel to yeah. investigate the ground? Mm, fair. You're Especially after one it. of your friends has been murdered. Correct. Well, that's a theme in this movie. Why do people always leave their hiding spots or do things that normal people don't do? So mm. I guess this is, a, yeah, this is a 2000s trope. I don't know. Th- it's yeah. just very much just a horror trope, and they yeah, really lean sure. heavily into it. Denise yeah. Richards and Lily are watching dating tapes when a box of chocolates and a death threat Valentine's Day car appear at their door. Unfortunately, the chocolate is full of maggots. They then decide to list off all of the people who have wronged them, and Denise Richards names Billy Dipshit or something who they bullied in middle school. But they laugh it off. Never laugh it off. At this point, I can't. I honestly, I was watching this movie. I forgot the name of the kid they bullied, and I thought it was Billy when I wrote the script, and I refused to go <laughs> back and change it. Of course, of course. <laughs> Biting into a chocolate and it being full of maggots is now my one of my top five fears. Yeah, agreed. I saw that. And number one, I thought that's one of my top five fears now. And number two, I said, why are we not more upset that we got delivered a box of chocolate? They really kind of just breezed past that. They, didn't they? That was that was rough. <laughs> also, no one is addressing the fact that they're all receiving these Valentine's Day cards that are like <laughs> roses are red, violets are blue. I'm gonna put a gun up your butt and blow your brains out through it. Like correct. And they that is an also a really good point. They kind of after this scene kind of don't really address them ever again. Just just like every single one of you has received a Valentine's Day card that explicitly states you're going to die a horrific way. And they're just like, ah, these silly college boys and their pronks. Yeah. Like, I love how because there's no text or snap, they're just like, you know what? I'll forget about it. Once it happens, it's done. It's 2001. Yeah. We're living in a safe place. AOL instant messenger later on. We're fine. 
All the girls show up to an art show, one of those L.A. bullshit <laughs> art shows, and they meet Jason Spinach Teeth Debonair. Then other stuff happens. This Some red herrings <laughs> and stuff. Wait, 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 wait. No, that's not Jason. Yes. Yeah, no, it Spin- was. Yes, Spinach Teeth was in the art yes. show. He meets Marley and Denise. Denise hits on him. Yes. Oh, wait, sorry. But he's, he's, he, sorry. I thought you were saying that he was now... Uh, Dorothy's boyfriend. That's not you're not oh, saying. No, that's no, no. That's Campbell, okay, no, which bad. I never call by his name because it, it doesn't matter. All then we know bad. is that Den- Jason Spinach Teeth Debonair is at the art show. Yep. Other okay. stuff happens that I'm not going to tell you about because it's not worth going over. Red herrings happen because this is a movie from the early 2000s and you have to have red herrings. M Night Shyamalan. Basically, the nerd from middle school is killing people. That's what we end up coming to terms with Correct. because they have a long discussion about that. But you already knew that from the synopsis of the film. I don't yeah, need yeah. to say anything else. Yeah. Lily then attempts to have sex with the artist behind every bullshit exhibit you've ever seen flashing around downtown Atlanta. She gets upset after his assistant uh, try, uh, tries to join into the foray, which why she is a very attractive lady have some fun for once yeah she runs away getting lost inside the art exhibit because as every art exhibit that we've all attended we all know is a fucking labyrinthian maze of darkness and bullshit Mm, mm, and this mm. as you can imagine ends with her getting shot with multiple arrows to the chest by the chair of mass killer falling backwards into a stairwell and down the stairwell into a dumpster and an endless stairwell. And this was also the scene where I realized, Oh yeah, we're going to be listening to Godsmack and yep. Marilyn Manson for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Edema. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, the, the moment of the, the assistant coming in, I was so confused at first because yes. if we, if we knew that that was his assistant, I missed that part. So Same. there's just, they're, they're just, you know, they're having a little kissy time. And this woman just starts coming up with this like wry smile and just starts like unbuttoning her shirt. And I'm like, is this a stranger that just like wants in on this? Yeah. And it was very confusing at first. And then I realized, Oh, I see. He's trying to, he's trying to have a threesome. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Ooh, Valentine's day, make the love happen. Let's go. And how dare she say no. Yeah. Like you said, Ken, this is a love movie. Okay, you know, mixed with some I'll, horror. I, I, I'm always, I'm always a big proponent on consent. <laughs> yeah, no, we talked about this very big to us. Yeah, I'm also a big proponent of not saying no in the moment. <laughs> okay, that, I, mean, I need to read, hold on, hold on. No, let me, re, let me re, again. Let me re, rephrase that. I don't think that that came out the way that it should. <laughs> what I meant to say was. Consent is always necessary. Okay, you know what? No, I think I've dug a hole too far. I don't think I can get out of that. I think, check your inbox. I think I just sent you my two-week resignation. Yeah, I deserve that. That was not (laughs) how that was supposed to read. I can't work my way out of the hole I've created for myself. The next day, the girls are interrogated by the detective. There's a huge plot hole here because why the fuck is he interrogating these girls? Regardless, yeah. as we just said, Jeremy Milktoast from the sixth grade is the killer because of cards and, and such. Uh, it doesn't matter. We do find out that old Jeremy Soakdotes was sent to a mental asylum after he was bullied. And the detective creates a bunch of Sims characters to help the girls identify him as an adult. Also, the detective is a real fucking scumbag. Shocking. So, supposedly... 
the original script delves into Jeremy's predicament a little more. It's strongly implied that Jeremy was the instigator behind the fire that killed his parents, while the finished film simply touches upon the possibility. Mm. However, the script reveals that even his domestic background was unhappy since his father was a drunk and his mother was rumored to be having uh, to having had abused him. Even after his treatment as a juvenile delinquent, Jeremy kept having trouble with the law and therefore spent more years in various clinics. But that's not the story we got. No. The story we got was... Well, I guess this guy went bad. This guy that we bullied is now in middle school has held on to his grudge, which I guess if you do that to a kid in middle school, the likelihood is either that will happen or they become a school shooter. Mm -hmm. The cherub killer breaks into Marley Shelton's apartment and finds Billy Ray Cyrus putting on some pantyhose. So he beats him to death with an iron. And that's the sentence I swear to God I never expected to say in my entire mm -hmm. life. This is the, the line of the film for me. He comes in and they have a little like back and forth. And then the Billy Ray Cyrus realizes that he's about to be killed. And he says, it's not what it looks like. Take it easy, brother. I am not well. <laughs> <laughs> because he has uh, Kate's underwear in his hand. And, and there was a line a little before this about she was saying that someone had been getting into an apartment and stealing her underwear. And so we learned that it was this Billy Ray Cyrus character. But for him to say, take it easy, brother, I am not well. <laughs> really I'm not, made me oh laugh. My God. So. I'm not going to lie. I thought for 0.5 seconds that Killer was going to be like, yeah, me too. Just leave him alone. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, ah, ah, I you get know, you. Ah, I kind of <laughs> dig this. I'm kind of aroused watching you, Billy Ray Cyrus and Pantyhose. You know, we say that, and you know the way that the trajectory of 2023 is going. Then in two weeks' time, we are going to get like illicit images of Billy Ray Cyrus, similar to like Hunter Biden's laptop with him putting Ooh. on pantyhose, saying some really? shit like, hey, brother, I'm unwell. <laughs> I am unwell. I really wish more people in my life saw this movie so that I could just casually use this line in day-to-day -day Yes, all the time. Take it easy, my brother. I am unwell. <laughs> you can save it just for me. Dorothy's beau, his name's Campbell, he turns out to be a bit of a creep, but since she treats him as her glorified pool boy, it seems to be a fair trade-off. So she sends him to the basement to fix the hot water heater. We soon find out that, guess what? He is not the killer as we were presumably expected before because he is immediately stabbed in the back with an axe. It's at this point in the movie, I right before this happens, I'm, I'm talking through the process. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, at this point, we are far enough into the movie that it's not a random person that is the killer. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind a scene or two before this, I'm like, the only logical explanation is it's either David Boreanaz or this guy. Yes. And so when he died, I was like, oh, okay, well then I know who this yeah. is. Yeah. Because they always introduce it right away, right? And try to, for your expectations. And, and I'll come back to that because uh, I was taking notes as things were happening. I was, it's kind of like just like my thought process of, as it was changing, but it's at, at this point, I'm like, Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. This, this has got to be, uh, this is because mm -hmm. actually I'll, I'll, I'll save that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Please do. Dorothy throws a massive Valentine's day party, which is a bummer for her because her boyfriend didn't show up because I don't oh. know. He's dead in the basement with an ax in his back. Denise Richards gets taken upstairs by a speed dater she met, and he surprises her by showing her his penis. <laughs> so, 
logically, as one Denise Richards would do. She makes him strip naked. She ties him to the bed and then pours hot wax all over his dick. Then she leaves him. Yeah. I because when he when he shows her his penis, he's like, Well, what are you waiting for? Wax it. Wax it. Yeah. And then for her to go then wax it by pouring hot wax all over it, I was like, You're a queen. We also we also don't address the fact that this bedroom they go to is unoccupied. When they arrive in the bedroom, there are candles all over the place, all of them lit, which very much is a safety hazard. Total fire hazard. Total fire hazard. This is a dangerous predicament. I do appreciate. Have you have you ever like have you ever have you ever had wax poured on you during sex, guys? I certainly haven't. I haven't either. Nick is nodding his head quietly in the corner. Allegedly. Allegedly. Have you ever had it poured on your penis? No. It feels like it would boil and like the skin is very sensitive and it seems like it would look at that background. Yeah, that's what's happening. That's what happens. That's what's going on. Also, there were books everywhere in that room. You're right. Just he didn't he didn't plan this out very well. He -hmm. he was not he just wanted it waxed. The the men in this movie, the one-liners are beyond romantic. They are. (laughs) They are indeed. It's not what it looks like. Thank you, (laughs) brother. I am not well. (laughs) I'm not well. Before the girls leave the party, the douchebag artist shows up and tells Marley Shelton that Lily never made it to L.A. They didn't know, but she's also dead. On an unrelated note, the voice actress for Yuna in Final Fantasy X sees the chair of Mass Killer dragging (gasps) the maid's dead body out of the room. She flees the scene and hides in a sauna for a bit before attempting to escape. Unfortunately, her escape ends with her neck being impaled on a giant shard of glass. Don't ask about her role in the movie. It was at best set dressing. I'm more shocked about the Final Fantasy X voice for Yuna. She's actually the voice actress of Yuna? Yeah, isn't that crazy? That makes That is insane. Yeah, this character, like seriously, like don't even ask. She, she just keeps. She, the only reason she's there is to one, die on screen because we need additional bodies, and two, to say venture capitalist a lot. Yeah. Yep. And that's Which, my necklace. Honestly, that. Honestly, <laughs> I have to say I do appreciate. In two thousand and one, they were already making fun of venture capitalists. Yeah. Like you know, like they, that was prescient. That deserves at least three extra points on Rotten Tomatoes just yeah. for being ahead of the curve. The yeah. detective calls and tells Marley that the person they had in custody, Jason Spinach Teeth Debonair, who they thought was Jimmy Meltdown, was just let out of custody and could be on the prowl, which is a very authentic thing police could do, especially when the suspect is a white guy. Correct. Correct. Immediately after, Marley finds Angel downing a beer, which I suppose is aptly pointing out to not be one of the steps in the 12-step program. So I think it's at this point that they <laughs> want you to think that it is David. Yes. Oh, of course. Because, yeah, they kind of set this up. Right? Yeah. Because because they uh, he was just chasing Yuna around, and he's, like, sweaty and, like, <laughs> disheveled a little bit. And so then you're like, oh, wow. So, okay, so it is him. But it was a, a little bit before this that I started – putting the pieces together because you remember when he stops by her apartment right after my favorite line yes and he's there and he and there's like some throwaway line like he was trying to get in her apartment to like leave her a note or something yeah i was like no he was in her apartment and he killed billy ray cyrus did he though that's the real question did he valentine too 
as I mean, he did, but did he? Denise Richards gets into a hot tub, end of sentence. Yes, I was. That's it. Do you think, here's a question. Yes. Do you think this movie happened Mm -hmm. because someone had envisioned this scene? Someone said, how do we get Denise Richards in a hot tub? Yes. Because this shot is so funny to me how like there's like a forest in this hot tub room in this like little sauna. Yes. It's just the way I, I, it just felt like this was a vehicle to see Denise Richards in a hot tub. Not that I'm complaining. You shouldn't be. No, I I was very happy. Also a part of me thinks that at this point in her career, that in her contract, it states that she has to be in a bikini at least once in the movie. Because if I can think back, 007, um, uh, Wild Things, this film, she's in a bikini in all of them at some point. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's, she, I mean there, there's that throwaway line where she's like, oh, she's always usually ends up in a hot tub. And I was like, yeah, yeah. she probably does, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Every party she ends up at a hot tub. I mean, I love look, it. if you're Denise Richards, I don't think you're doing the Lord's work unless you are getting into a hot tub. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how she controlled the conversation. Yeah. That's she fair. She was, yeah, it's she a, was it. It's also worth pointing out that she's then drilled. God, that was hot, Kane. That was a good, that was good. And then electrocuted to death. Okay. All right. There we yeah, go. No, <laughs> that's not as good anymore. Apparently the the son uh, person who played Denise got real cut up real bad doing this mm. scene because the jet really? from the hot tub. So basically, yeah, I get some some kind of explanation here. So Denise Richards is in the hot tub. She gets attacked by the chair of mass killer. He like gets it like gets her in the hot tub. He closes the lid, which is a plexiglass lid, which yeah. is weird. But like, I guess it like it doesn't make sense in terms of anything outside of that works for the movie. And then he begins to use a huge power drill, almost similar to Slumber Party Massacre. And he starts drilling holes into her, like trying to get her right. He finally is able to like hit her in the arm. And then opens it up, throws the power drill in, closes the lid. It electrocutes her to death. Kills the power of the whole mansion. Absolutely. The electrocution kicks the electrocution of Denise Richards, kicks the breaker, which then makes all of the party goers decide to just fuck off because they're like, well, why would you be there? Party's over. So (laughs) it's at this point, Marley and Jessica Capshaw get into a fight about their boyfriends because obviously we needed to only slightly beat the Bechdel test. Well, this is also a very important line because mm-hmm. Kate Marley mm-hmm. is very upset that David Boreanaz has, has had a drink. And Jessica Capshaw's character is like, uh, she says something about him and Kate responds, he's no angel. To which I say, bitch, yes. yes, he is. Yes. For several seasons, and he's perfect. There was an interview with Jamie Blanks, director of the film, who said, like, there's a lot of things I regret, including in the film, because it does feel very much like a product of its time. So, like, kind of the hokey humor and, like, the cheap scares. Like, I wish I would have done those differently. But the one thing I wouldn't change was the moment in which Marley Shelton makes the joke about him being an angel. He was like, that is still the funniest thing that's ever been in a movie of mine. I love <laughs> Which, that. considering there's only four films I think he's directed, like, I love that. That's probably not hard to achieve. Yeah. Now, Marley runs off and tries to find the detective because he showed up off screen, apparently. Either way, he's dead, too. Had his noggin lopped off and left in the koi pond. This is a net positive, all things considered. A cab. <laughs> also, it's at this point, the, the little note 
that Kate gave Angel earlier floats to the top. So now we get like triple confirmation. This yes. is him. Yes. He's, he's, he's the there. one doing this. The, the, look, guys, it's Angel. We, we know that. We know that. By the Early. way, mm-hmm. for a drunk, his planning's pretty well. Oh, yeah. Up, knowing how to get the power shut out, he knew it was going to happen if he dropped the drill. At least that's what I'm thinking. If he Clinical. didn't, then, man, everything's going very well for this drunker. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy's in. This guy's. I think this is what we call a functioning alcoholic. Yes, alcoholic. <laughs> yes. Correct. Now Marley heads back inside to find Angel lurking in the shadows because he's brooding and handsome. Ugh. And also he's the killer, guys. Ugh. He's what? He's, he's the killer, guys. I don't know if you caught this at the very beginning of the episode, but if you haven't by now, he is indeed the killer. There's no way. Marley escapes his grasp and runs off to find Dorothy. Her multiple <laughs> she <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, this is bad. Her her multiple attempts to do this fall short, and she is cornered by the brooding and handsome angel. The logical next step is to bash him over the head with a wine bottle and then run into the room full of guns, which she does. Mm-hmm. She then stalks about the mansion, eventually being attacked by the cherub killer. The two tussle, then fall down the stairs. The killer sits back up in a last attempt to kill Marley, only to be shot multiple times in the chest by the handsome and brooding angel twist. This broke my brain. Same. When they, when he comes down and shoots this person, I'm like, so then what I say, I yell at the TV. Oh my God. It's a twin situation. Mm. Mm. But what is it really came in? Here's the thing. Do you think I'd ruin the fucking twist that early on in the episode? Right? Come on, guys. Do you think I'd do that? You're crazy. Because the hook is that Jessica Capshaw, who plays Dorothy, is the killer. How would you have fucking known? Because it's actually a double fucking twist. It was actually the brooding and handsome angel. Because him and Marley sit down and he says some sappy bullshit. And then he gets a fucking nosebleed. Which happens every time he kills somebody. He gets a nosebleed. So he was the killer after all. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But when you're that handsome and you're that brooding, it doesn't have to make sense. Because it's fucking Valentine's Day, bitches. Correct. (sighs) Correct. This was really expertly done, to be quite honest. Because before the scene where he unmasks Dorothy, her and Kate get in a fight. And she's like... You guys always like because she was the one that was fat as a kid. She's like, you basically the implication for a couple minutes is, oh, this is revenge because she was also bullied as a kid by her friend group. And like that justification in the year 2001 makes sense. And then, yeah, for him to get the nosebleed, I'm like, wait, so he really did do it, which is uh, they got me. I'll be completely honest. They got me. Yeah, I agree. When they took the sheriff mask off and it was Dorothy, I went, what the fuck? I said, okay, I'll accept this. And then his nosebleed, I said, you beautiful fucking movie. Happy Valentine's Day. Because I I was so confused why she would have killed her boyfriend. Yes, that's that's why I had to think on it. They do set up. There's a moment where he's like hanging out by the pool. And this is when she gets him to go into the basement. And he's on the phone. And you can hear that he's essentially like trying to steal money from her. Yeah. And then okay, the intercom okay. goes off and it kind of leads you <gasps> me to the assumption in the moment to say like, maybe she overheard him. Uh, yeah. Therefore sure, 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 sure. killing him makes sense. 
Uh, but either way, we roll credits, and guess what? I'm lying again. Um, that is indeed how I did spoil who the killer was at the very beginning of the episode. Correct. But I got Correct. you with the twist and a double twist at the end, just like the movie tried to do. You know Correct. how it I, It's at this point, though, that I go to Google. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't understand why he just happens to have a nosebleed. Like, is there yeah. a reason? short answer is there's not a reason the yeah. short answer is apparent well i mean there kind of is apparently at the beginning when he like gets his face busted mm. he gets a nosebleed then and then so the implication also is that he gets a bunch of plastic surgery to look like david boreanaz uh i get a bunch of plastic surgery to look like david boreanaz Hell yeah. I, i've considered it multiple yeah. times and that's why like earlier when they show us like what he might look like that's why he doesn't look like that because he got a bunch of plastic surgery so like maybe it's like a long-term symptom of that but it doesn't really matter but what i did find while i was searching for this is a really cool piece of trivia so when jeremy melton slash adam carr slash david boreanaz asks each girl for a dance they each state a mean comment right after he asks them. This foreshadows each of the girl's fate later in the film. Shelly says, in your dreams, loser, and she dies lying down in a sleeping position. Mm-hmm. Lily says, ooh, and she receives maggots in a chocolate box and her body lands in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. Paige says, I'd rather be boiled alive, and she gets thrown into a hot tub and electrocuted, basically boiled alive. Dorothy says he attacked me makes everyone believe that she was attacked by Jeremy after being caught kissing him behind the bleachers. So Jeremy makes everyone believe that all of the killings were Dorothy's doing. And then finally, Kate is the only one that gave him a chance and said, maybe later Jeremy. And that's why he lets her live because she's the only girl that gave that didn't bully him. At the end and, of the moment. and this got an 11. This got and this got an 11. 11. It's gotten 11. Let me tell you a little bit else. Cause let's, I don't, I don't want to give up on the ending of this film just yet because yeah. this, okay. the ending of this film, honestly, if you watch the movie, you realize that the ending doesn't actually make any sense at all. There, there, it doesn't make any sense. Like it really, really yeah. doesn't. And like, why did they fight? Yeah. 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 Like why, why is any of this, this stuff happening? So let me just go ahead and, and explain from the director's own words. The ending where Kate is attacked by the cherub, who is promptly shot to death by Adam, played by David Boreanaz, and then unmasked to be Dorothy Jessica Capshaw, was left unexplained in the theatrical cut as it's revealed minutes later that Adam was the killer the whole time and framed Dorothy without explaining why she's in the costume. It is solved, however, via a deleted scene that reveals that Adam had attacked and knocked out Dorothy and then dressed her in the cherub costume to frame her Mm -hmm. and her attacking Kate in heavy quotations uh, was just her in a disoriented state after being hit in the head. It was cut for spoiling the identity of the killer. Now, can I fix it? Go ahead. Here's the thing. And there's another reason why, and this probably is how you fix it, on why this does it, like, why did you cut this? It's because they (laughs) only had David Boreanaz on set for 10 days and were Mm. unable to shoot connecting, like, the connective tissue shots to show him. Because apparently the actual planned ending of the film would have been a big reveal that showed him, like a lot of films do, like, setting up each individual kill. So, like, mm-hmm. it's him uh, going into this place and, like, setting up, like, why he was missing or, like, all these different things on, like, how X, Y, and Z all come together into one big, like, mashup, mashup or whatever. Um, there was also apparently, like, 
rumors that were circulating over the last 10 years or so that were like, yes, there is a director's cut of the film hmm. that that has one extended death scenes because apparently the MPAA made them trim the death scenes down. Mm. So they weren't as violent if because if they were too violent, then the film would have gotten a higher like it's an R-rated film. I don't know why they couldn't have done it. I guess 2001 doesn't matter. But either way, apparently there is a rumored director's cut that actually has like that ending in it and it makes more sense and like the film makes more sense in total but <laughs> apparently the company that produced it i'm trying to think i think it might have been warner brothers uh when it came out no uh i don't know who cares it doesn't matter i think it is warner brothers either way apparently they were like this movie made us no money and there was there's no reason for it like there's not enough people who want this shit to yeah. be able to get a director's cut so hashtag release the angel cut can i fix this yeah. this ending though yeah please 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 i have i have a perfect idea okay hit me so everything that happens happens. But during the final scene when Kate and Angel are having their discussion, it does the thing where like they'll be talking. They talk the whole scene. But every few seconds, we get like a couple seconds of a cut to seeing him do this to Kate. See? And throughout it. And like, cause they're talking about her like, oh, well, yeah, she must have blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. she was misunderstood, blah, blah, blah. And we keep seeing her like, we see her get knocked out and then like they're talking for a little bit and then we cut back and we see him like putting the onesie on her, the, yeah. like, the jumpsuit yeah. on her. We cut back to them. They're talking uh, and like she puts her head on his shoulder and then he's like, and then we cut to them putting the mask on Dorothy and then we cut back nosebleed. Boom. Answered. Great editing. Yeah. I, like that. Me, bro, I can fix your movies. Honestly, bro. I, th- I think you just saved trash cinema. I think, I think I just saved trash. Cinema. I think you just saved trash cinema. That would have been a that's, pretty dope ending. That no, be, that, that is. Yeah. That would be, dis- yeah. And that's disappointing hearing what you said about them cutting stuff because this movie is so short and you could tell they added scenes that were so not needed. Yeah. Remember the detective touching Denise's leg? Why was that added? The hey, stepmother? Yeah. Like, totally forgot about that. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like that was so... This is a very... And I do think it's important to point out this is a very pro-feminist film. Yeah. Like... All of the actresses in the film, especially like Denise Richards, she owns up like she owns her sexuality the whole film. All of the dudes are scumbags, and they all, at least up until Angel, brooding and handsome Angel, um, they with all get their problem. come up with his alcohol problem. They all get their comeuppance, <laughs> and like yeah, each one of them, like is like yeah, like we, you know, they all own up whatever bit that they have. There's, and I, I mean, and then the, I think the other thing too is yes, the film actually does pass the Bechdel test. It it's just like yeah for. Patrick, your ending is so great. And then hearing about this cut and being like, God, like this was and could be a great movie. And like yeah. we could tell, especially the shit we have seen with Save Trash Cinema compared to this. It's like, <laughs> this, like man, we'll, we'll just make the remake in the future. It's yeah. fine. It's I think this fun. is a great segue, Cayman. It is Save It or Canon. Save It or Canon. You're right, boys. This is where we get to the part of the episode where we ask the hard hitting question. Save it or can it? Would you save this film or would you can this film? So I'm going to start off with you, my sweet, sweet boy, Nicholas. And I want to ask you the question. Would you save it or would you can it? I love you, Denise. Save it. That's That's the right answer. That's it. Okay. I mean, that's all you really (laughs) need explanation wise. Just fucking save it. All right. Well, Nick had his piece. Patrick, it's time for yours. Save it or can it? This is an easy top five for me. This is an uh, yeah. unequivocal save. I 
I was so pleased that the one I happened to pick ended up being very good. Like I, I kind of expected it to still be bad because I saw it had an 11. It was like 2001. It makes sense that all of these people would be in a dog shit movie. Yeah. I mean, no. you're not wrong. You're not but wrong no, at it, all. This, I think this is a genuinely really good movie. Like it has yeah, problems. It is. But I uh, – so far, the Valentine's Day movies were, were two for two. We are on Valentine's Day. That's a good feeling. If you you haven't checked out uh, last year's Valentine's Day episode, we covered my personal favorite uh, holiday horror film. And honestly, one of, if not my favorite slasher of all time, My Bloody Valentine. Go check out that episode. It's raunchy as shit and and really fun. It's it's, it's one of those episodes, I think, that's like, it was really, but I think before we like really knew who we were with this podcast, but like, Mm -hmm. I think you could tell. Like that's yeah. like when shit starts to get real for us. Like we are starting to figure it out. It's a really good episode. Definitely recommend it. Now, in terms of this episode, in terms of this Valentine's Day film, I am agreeing with both of you guys. I do think this film needs to be saved. Um, it's it, sure it is without like there are definite faults here, and the ending makes no sense with context and you know the trivia. It does yeah. make more sense, but honestly, like it's just a really fun time. There's a lot of really fun jokes in it. Um, the setups are great. David Boreanaz is fantastic. And uh, Marley Shelton is just a queen. Denise yeah. Richards is beautiful oh. as always. Uh, even Jessica Capshaw is really fun. It's just yeah. a good one. And I do think, like, I we I was having a conversation. I interviewed um, Tony Wash, director of Skeletons in the Closet and High on the Hog, um, earlier this week. It'll come out. Spoiler alert. That is next week's episode. If you're still oh, here cool. with us, you now know next week's episode is an interview with Tony Wash from Bloody Disgusting. Um, and we actually had a conversation, I think it was off air, about like saving or like remaking bad movies with like bigger budgets and like fixing the problems it had. Mm. And I was like, this needs to be something that needs to happen. If any, if we can do service by doing Save Trash Cinema, it would be to convince a new era of filmmakers to take movies that are bad specifically a movie like this right that we that has the bones to be fantastic let's fix go. the problems make yeah. a great movie from it like that should be our our thesis statement at this point going forward but yeah man i definitely think that this is a this is a hard save for me yeah uh this is a lot of fun i had a blast doing it um and i think it's great and guess what if you've enjoyed the show please rate review and share the hell out of it with your friends loved ones and worst of enemies honestly word of mouth is key here and we aren't beggars also fuck keith if you're interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, The Spotlight Games Podcast, and all of your favorite streaming services. We also stream live every Tuesday on Twitch at 8 p.m. Eastern, so join us live there. And if you know what, you don't want to join us live, but you still want to check out the content, we are live on YouTube. So yes. Patrick has done an amazing job cutting up all of these segments from our episodes, so they're short yes. fights and easily yes. digestible. Check it out on YouTube. And guess what, guys? We also have a third podcast, the Spotlight TV podcast. Uh, episodes go live every someday whenever they come out. It could be Monday night. It could be Tuesday afternoon. Who knows when they go live because it changes every day. But guess what? We're covering The Last of Us on HBO. So if you don't want to miss out on that conversation, you can find us at Spotlight TV. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Cayman. Patrick, where can they follow you, buddy? They can follow me on social or on Twitter at Patrick Schwag. And then you can follow... Uh, uh, spotlight games at spot games pod on twitter and spotlight games pod on uh everything else and nick how about you where can they find you on socials no you're good i just want to give a shout out to you guys for the listeners seriously just for 30 seconds these guys work so hard i and myself and 
everyone that's a fan love interacting with you guys. I'm so proud of y'all. It's been a year plus of you guys doing this. It is so much fun to engage everybody listening to get on Twitch, join the conversations, join the fun. Please support these guys because they are doing such a great job. And I'm so proud of you guys. I love you guys. And let's keep this rolling. You guys are amazing. Oh, make me cry, Nick. buddy. Well, you can follow our sister podcast, as Patrick said, Spot Games Pod on Twitter and Spotlight Games Pod on Instagram, as well as Spotlight TV Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Save Trash Cinema at Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema. And I am not well. <laughs> <laughs>